This is Dave Chapin. Welcome to the Wolf Sports Show. We're already into the third week of the 2022 NFL season. It's been a pretty crazy first two weeks. Six undefeated teams remaining. That's it. After two games. The Bills are looking like a total juggernaut. In the NFC, the Eagles are almost not to the Bills level, but they're looking excellent after two games. And then the Bucks, the defense looks tremendous coming off a big win against the Saints. And remember, it's early. Again, just two weeks. But those three teams, they're the top three in my power rankings, which can be found on wolfsports.com. They're looking really good, as are the Chiefs, who they were arguably outplayed last Thursday night against the Chargers, but they came out with a win. And that's all that matters, really. And before we get to week two, I just want to say the that Chiefs-Chargers game, it was the first exclusive game on Amazon Prime Video. And I thought the broadcast was really good, high quality. The pre- and post-game and halftime shows were slightly disappointing because I had really high hopes for them. But it was just one week, and the crew needs some time together. So hopefully that becomes really good. But Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet and then Kaylee Hartong on the sidelines, they were a really good team in the first game and probably my second favorite broadcast group behind uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on Monday Night Football Now, which is also, as I said, much better. And it was a memorable game, too, with Justin Herbert toughing it out at the end to uh, cover the spread for the Chargers. Uh, Al Michaels calling that was pretty funny. And Jalen Watson's pick six when Gerald Everett was kind of tired and ran a bit of a sloppy route. He wanted to come out of the game, but the Chargers made him stay in and went hurry up. That was a memorable play and an easy game to remember as the first on Prime exclusively. And I'm looking forward to Amazon continuing to add to its NFL coverage over the years. And their current deal with the NFL for TNF is 10 seasons, or maybe it's 11, 10 or 11. And they're, they might be a player just as much as anyone in NFL broadcasting rights. All right, now we're going to run through week two, starting with the Thursday night football game tonight. The Steelers face the Browns in Cleveland. The Browns are coming off a really disappointing loss where they give up 14 points in the final two minutes, which is unheard of. It didn't happen in the past 20 years. Some are blaming Nick Chubb for it. He scored when he could have kneeled like inside the one or two or whatever. But he's done that in the past. He's maybe the most unselfish player in the league. I don't think he should be blamed. The defense and special teams had to step up and finish that game. And it was a tough spot for Chubb, really, with, I think, the first down, if I remember correctly, was like at the one or two-yard line. So you kind of would have to dive right before the goal line. I mean, I guess it's not that hard, but when you're playing in a game and the action is fast, he just he scored and figured his team could finish it off, I'm sure. The Steelers had a tough loss, too. A gritty game against the Patriots. I think that's the style of game they want to play. They have a good defense even without T.J. Watt. Mika Fitzpatrick had his second interception in two games this season. So I think it's good for both teams that they have a short week to just get over their losses and try to get a big divisional win to kick off week three and go to two and one, whoever wins this game. Obviously look for the Browns to try to run the ball with Chubb and Cream Hunt 
And then for the Steelers, they also want to get the run game going. But I think they can also open things up down the field, get George Pickens more involved, Claypool down the field a little bit, Deontay Johnson also down the field a little bit more. And that would probably help open things up for Najee Harris in the run game. And we'll see the Browns are favored. I think it started at five and a half points. Now it's three and a half points. Should be a close game tonight. And I would think a defensive type of battle. On Sunday, we'll start with another divisional game. Bills against the Dolphins. I said Tua's a little disrespected. And he kind of silenced the doubters a little bit. Threw for over 400 yards, six touchdowns in the comeback against the Ravens in Baltimore. The super fast offense was just tough for the Ravens to keep up with when Miami got going in the fourth quarter. So this is going to be a challenge for the Bills. Buffalo just looks like a total elite to the highest level team right now with the way they're playing. They finally punted last week and it was fumbled and recovered by them. So just everything's going right for Buffalo right now. Again, the Von Miller acquisition and the emergence of Greg Rousseau on the other edge. This defense is getting a ton of pressure on quarterbacks, and they're not even blitzing much to do it. I think they blitzed three times this season, I saw, yet getting pressure on like 42% of dropbacks. And doing that, that's going to help the coverage, getting that much pressure and being able to play your safeties the way the Bills do. They don't give up many big plays at all. So it should be a fun matchup. Josh Allen's dominated Miami in his career. But on the road, early season divisional game in Miami where it should be hot could be a challenge for the Bills as they look to put together a really special season and get to 3-0. It's an exciting week three schedule, but that's definitely one of the headliners. The Jets host the Bengals. New York actually upset the Bengals last season. I think it was 34-31. And now Cincinnati's 0-2 coming off their Super Bowl appearance last season. Their backs are against the wall a bit. And you can bet Joe Burrow and the whole team, the defense is a solid defense, and they're going to remember last season losing in the Jets. Remember they didn't play in the preseason, the starters for the Bengals. I think that's definitely had an impact. The expectation was the improvements, or the additions at least, on the offensive line were going to help Cincinnati this season. Hasn't been the case yet. Joe Burrow's under a lot of pressure. And as tough as he is, it's hard for that not to get to you a little bit, getting hit as much as he has early in his career. And we'll see if the additions can mesh early in the season as things progress. And then the Jets just talked about their comeback. Joe Flacco lit it up, hit Garrett Wilson for a couple of touchdowns, including the game winner. Four touchdowns for Flacco on the day. And he's a former Super Bowl MVP. He can make the Jets pretty dangerous. Now the defense for New York needs to step up facing a high-powered Bengals offense. Then we have Raiders-Titans. Both are 0-2. So disappointing start for two playoff teams from last season. And they're pretty desperate with 0-2 starts in a crowded AFC. The Raiders in particular, they are playing in the AFC West. So that's going to be tough with the Chiefs and the Chargers. And then we'll see if the Broncos can get it together too. The Titans in the AFC South. So there's a little more breathing room for them to get it together. And the first order of business for them is getting the run game going with Derrick Henry. 
He's had not much room at all to run, especially last week against the Bills. Henry, I think, is still the type of guy that can carry the Titans once he gets going. But the offense needs to figure things out and flip the switch pretty quickly. I think getting rookie receiver Traylon Burks more involved would really help. Whenever he's in the game, he seems to be making a play, picking up some chunk yardage. And we'll see if the Titans put more on his plate moving forward in need of a jolt for the offense and the entire roster. And the Raiders, obviously, they've been in each of their first two games. Giving up the lead to the Cardinals last week was really a heartbreaker, though. And then losing in overtime on a Hunter Renfro fumble that was recovered for a return for a touchdown. Right now, I'm not sure about their identity for the Raiders. Again, they're a team that didn't play in the preseason. So it might just take time for them to mesh a little bit. I think a lot of Devontae Adams, who was targeted 17 times in week one, and then last week just had two catches for, I think, 12 yards. and But he did have a touchdown on one of the catches. I think they can feed him the ball a ton. And they have the players with Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro to open things up and just throw the ball around a ton, and we'll see what they try to do this week at Tennessee. The Saints face the Panthers. Saints coming off that loss to the Bucks. The offense couldn't really do much against Tampa Bay's defense. It's been revealed that Jameis Winston is dealing with four fractures in his back, which he's able to play through, but it's, I'm sure, very painful. Taysom Hill also appears banged up. He's now on the injury report with a rib issue. Alvin Kamara was out because of a rib issue last week against Tampa. So we'll see. They're pretty banged up on offense. Chris Olave, rookie receiver out of Ohio State, first-round pick, was targeted a ton last week, but couldn't get much going connection-wise with Jameis. I'd look for that to pick up this week against the Panthers. And for Carolina, I was expecting a potential jump in year three under Matt Rule. But a no and two start is obviously like the opposite of ideal. Two winnable games against the Browns and the Giants. And now the schedule is really tough on paper. After the Saints this week, they'll host the Cardinals, then the Niners, then they'll face the Rams on the road, and then they'll host the Bucks. So 0-7 is not out of the question here with the Panthers. And I think they need some type of jolt from Baker Mayfield to somehow get them going. The Ravens go to Foxborough to face the Patriots, who are underdogs despite playing at home. Lamar Jackson broke a long touchdown run last week and also, again, did damage through the air, had a long touchdown on a quick slant to Rashad Bateman. So he's looked really good through two games this season as he looks to cash in on a monstrous contract this offseason if he can avoid the franchise tag somehow, maybe. And Bill Belichick was asked about Jackson's ability as a passer, and he's praised it, and he said, like, I'm sure it'll be known how good he is when his big contract is given to him in the next year, a couple years, or whenever it is. And I definitely agree he's had some struggles in the postseason as a passer, but he has gotten better, and coming out of Louisville, he could definitely throw it. It's not like he was a one-dimensional running quarterback only, and he might show that more than ever this season. The concern for Baltimore is the pass defense, which dating back to the start of last season has just been by far the worst in the league in terms of allowing yardage. Torched by the Dolphins last week, when Marlon Humphrey was off the field, it really struggled. So yeah, first-year defensive coordinator Mike McDonald 
it's a new defense under him. So maybe it'll just take some time to adjust. And it's not like they were good last season against the pass, obviously. So it might just take some time. Hopefully they can get it figured out because it's tough going against top quarterbacks and expecting to win games when they can just totally light you up. Talked about the Patriots getting a gritty type of win last week on the road at Pittsburgh. That was a big win. You could see how happy Belichick was with Mac Jones after the game. The defense is, I think, a top five unit. You could see, you saw what the Dolphins did to the Ravens, who is now the Patriots opponent this week. You saw what Miami did to them. New England kind of contained them a little bit, which is not easy to do. Now they'll look to contain Lamar Jackson this Sunday as both teams look to get to two and one. One of the most underrated, under the radar matchups, I think, this week, divisional matchup actually, though. Lions face the Vikings. The Lions, it's, I guess, not something you would think about typically. For them, they're an extremely explosive offense with the protection Jared Goff gets. They had injuries on the offensive line last week, but it didn't matter. They pretty much bullied the commanders up front. Amon Ross St. Brown is looking like one of the best receivers in the league. And they have DJ Chark now added to the mix. Josh Reynolds added midseason last year has played well. DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams at running back. And then TJ Hawkinson, who contributes as a blocker, even if he doesn't do much as a receiver, if he's not featured there. It's a pretty loaded offense. They've scored 35 points in each of their last three games, dating back to last season. So yeah, they're extremely explosive. Defense is a little undermanned talent-wise, maybe. But they're going to play hard. And the offense, they can, as you saw last week, they can build leads and put the defense in a good spot and let Aiden Hutchinson in the pass rush do some damage. And I'm a bit surprised they're five and a half point underdogs at Minnesota. Vikings just didn't look good at all on Monday night. They were picked apart on defense. Kirk Cousins struggled on offense. For as good as week one was offensively, week two was just as bad. They couldn't really get anything going. Dalvin Cook didn't do much. Justin Jefferson was shut down. We'll see if returning home and not playing in primetime on Monday night will help. His cousins are now 2-10 in his career on Monday night. And speaking of the Eagles, they go to Washington to face the Commanders this week. Talked about them at the top of the show. They look like sort of a juggernaut in the NFC. I think the roster is totally loaded. Another team with the good offensive line. Jalen Hurts is... Improved as a passer and really looks like one of the best players in the league through two games. Still a very long way to go. But I'd say he's the MVP runner-up behind Josh Allen. You could even make make a case that Hurst should be number one if you were to do extremely early MVP rankings. You could see how much more talent the defense has with Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham now healthy, the additions at linebacker. Nakubi Dean hasn't even played much on defense. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, James Bradbury, Jordan Davis, and Darius Slay had one of the best games I can remember from a corner with his performance against Justin Jefferson with two interceptions and not letting Jefferson do much. There's a lot of excitement right now in Philadelphia over the Eagles. At Washington can be tricky, though. The Eagles are riding high. They can't be overconfident, and divisional games can be tough. At Washington can be tough. And they're facing Carson Wentz for the first time since trading him to the Colts last offseason. Wentz is going to be determined, I think. 
obviously, to play well after the team traded him away. And Wentz has a ton of weapons to do a ton of damage offensively. Jahan Dotson talked about him each of the first two shows. Scored again last week, has three touchdowns in two games. And then Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel is healthy and looking good. Logan Thomas coming off the ICL at tight end. He looked good through two games. The offense, Wentz needs to avoid turnovers, but the offense is in a good spot, I think. It's the defense that's concerning, lit up by the lines last week. And we'll see if they can remedy that against an offense that's really clicking in the Eagles. The Chiefs face the Colts. Chiefs had that mini buy, so that'll be big with Andy Reid uh, having extra time to prepare for it. I'd look for Kansas City to get the pass game going a bit this week as they were somewhat limited against the Chargers last Thursday night. And for the Colts last week, getting shut out by the Jaguars 24-0, that was just really ugly. I know they were down, but 10 touches for Jonathan Taylor just seems crazy to me, especially because they didn't have Michael Pittman Jr. in the lineup because of a quad injury. Again, the AFC South looks kind of weak, just half a game back. That said, there needs to be some urgency this week, and I think that means a heavy dose of Jonathan Taylor now against the Chiefs as Andy looks to pull off the upset. And defensively, not having Shaquille Leonard all pro linebacker the first two weeks, that's obviously not helped. And if they can get him back against the Chiefs, that would be massive as they look to get on the board with the win. The final 1 o'clock game, Texans face the Bears. It didn't end in a win, but I think Lovey Smith and Houston have to be somewhat pleased with the way they played last week. That's the style they want to play. They were in it against Denver at the end, leading in the fourth quarter. Rookie running back Damian Pierce had 15 carries. And expect more of him moving forward. He's a tune setter for a team that wants to be physical. For the Bears, they want to play a similar style. They only threw, I think it was 11 times last week for 70 yards in the loss to the Packers. The good news is the run game with Dave Montgomery and Khalil Herbert did get going. Montgomery had over 100 yards against Green Bay. They might not need to throw the ball much this week against the Texans in what should be a close game. But at some point, they're going to need to get Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet involved in the passing attack. After the 4 o'clock games, the Jaguars face the Chargers. I mean, I don't really pay attention much to what other people say, but I've noticed, or I haven't noticed, uh, Trevor Lawrence being talked about much. For He's played well through two games. The addition of Christian Kirk, the contract, was widely criticized. But I thought coming out, he was a potential top 10 overall prospect coming out of Texas A&M. And he's looked really good through two games. Doug Peterson's using him all over the field. And especially in the slot, he's getting favorable looks and getting open and Lawrence is hitting him. And the Jacksonville defense, they flew around and made plays last week in shutting out Indianapolis in a divisional game. So that was big. This week figures to be much tougher facing Justin Herbert and the Chargers who are expected to get back a healthy Keenan Allen. And they had the mini buy after playing on Thursday last week. I mentioned Asante Samuel Jr. last week. He really flashed on Thursday night again. And he's been really impressive. I don't know how he dropped uh, to wherever he was, pick 52, I think, in the second round of the 2021 draft. I don't know how that interception that he had initially was overturned. Look for sure to me that he had his left hand on the ball the whole time. So that could have turned the game a bit. And the Chargers had another potential interception. I'm trying to think who it was. I don't think it was Samuel. But it was um, 
overturned because of an illegal contact call on Marcus Valdez scaling on a deep route over the middle, which didn't seem like the right call to me at all. I thought Valdez scaling kind of initiated the contact, so that was might have been a different game if those two calls went the Chargers way. And I know now the analytics people are probably not happy with it, but I like the game Brandon Staley called last week and not being like ultra analytical aggressive as he was last season. I think cost him last season at times as stated. I think I said at the open, it felt like the chargers did outplay the chiefs again, the pick six and maybe those couple of calls made it turn out to be a loss to the, for them, but I'm still encouraged by the chargers through two games. The other LA team are really the primary one. It seems the NFL pushes it as the Rams. They faced the Cardinals this week. Arizona gave LA some trouble during the regular season last year, but the Rams dominated in the playoff game on their way to an eventual championship. I haven't liked what I've seen from the Cardinals for most of the season, but Kyler Murray kind of put the team on his back at the end of last week with the comeback in the fourth quarter and the eventual overtime win on Byron Murphy's fumble recovery for a touchdown. The two-point conversions by Murray, who just bought a ton of time scrambling around. They were what forced overtime and got the Cardinals a win to avoid 0 2. We'll see if they can come down somewhat from that high and avoid a letdown this week when they host the Rams. And for Los Angeles, they got Allen Robinson going a bit. He scored his first touchdown as a Ram last week. He could have had two, but they blew dead a play very late for a medical timeout. And Cooper Cup has killed the Cardinals last season. And he really, he almost looks just unstoppable with how much Matthew Stafford looks his way. The defense for the Rams is a bit concerning and the special teams after last week. But Jalen Ramsey did come through with the big interception to seal the victory against the Falcons. And we'll see if that helps get Ramsey on track to being just a total shutdown corner as he's shown he can be. Again, there are a lot of good games this week, but I think the game of the week is Packers versus Bucks. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers uh, leading their teams at quarterback. For the Packers, it was really predictable that they would get Aaron Jones going last Sunday night against the Bears. Tampa typically has a stout run defense, but it hasn't been that great at all early this season. We'll see if Jones and A.J. Dillon can take advantage of that and have a big game because that's who the Packers are playing through right now offensively, their running backs. Aaron Rodgers on Pat McAfee's show said that ideally Jones and Dillon will both be getting like 15 touches per game each. And that's not surprising. Again, I was saying, yeah, like 30 to 40 touches for them per game would be ideal, I think, for Green Bay. The Packers' run D had some struggles last week against the Bears. They'll need to get that sorted out. I think the Bucks are going to try to run the ball with all the injuries they have at receiver. So look for a heavy dose of Leonard Fournette for Tampa with Mike Evans out of the lineup because of his suspension from that situation with Marshawn Lattimore and the Saints, which he laid out Lattimore in a heated argument between Lattimore and Tom Brady. That's really how it started. Evans came to Brady's defense and also Fournette's defense after Lattimore hit Fournette. And also Chris Godwin dealing with the hamstring. Looks like he'll probably be out again week three. And we'll see if Julio Jones can play after he missed last week with the knee issue. And the Bucks also added former Bills receiver, former Cowboys receiver, Cole Beasley. And that's an interesting addition in the slot for Brady who was frustrated with his receivers last week. 
And one thing that really stands out for the Bucks is what a close-knit group they are. Obviously, what Evans did wasn't good at all. It was funny. He said, what do you want me to do? Ask Tom Brady like he had to defend him. Todd Bowles wasn't happy with it. I, it was a little uncalled for to do that. But Brady came to his defense, and his teammates came to his defense, and they're definitely a close-knit group. And that's big for tough situations and when games are closest and matter most late in the season and in the postseason. The last late window game, the Falcons face the Seahawks in Seattle. Atlanta's 0-2, but they've been close the first two weeks. Looked like they were going to get a win week one against the Saints. And then last week they had a real shot to come back and win against the Rams. I think the team strongly believes in Arthur Smith, the head coach. Although I know a lot of people are not happy that Kyle Pitts hasn't been involved much on offense. I think he has two receptions in each of the first two games, so four catches total. I think Pitts is too good to not get going soon. And I could see a monster game this week at Seattle. On the other side, the same could be said for DK Metcalf. I think he can explode at some point for a huge game. And it could come this week against the Falcons. We'll see if AJ Terrell shatters him a bit. Still, the Seahawks might force the ball to Metcalf, which could be a good thing. He can win against anyone, really. And also, it's surprising the lack of the run game for the Seahawks. Rashad Penny had only, I think, six carries last week. I'm looking for Seattle to get the run game going with him and Kenneth Walker because the Falcons on Sunday. And hopefully that opens things up for Metcalf and Tyler Lockett down the field. On Sunday night, the Niners face the Broncos in Denver. We'll see how the crowd in Denver reacts to their team, their new coach, Nathaniel Hackett, new quarterback, Russell Wilson. They were booing them both last week, which was kind of shocking after just not even two full games. The expectations might have been a bit too high, I think, from the outside. The Broncos receiving group is or was slightly overhyped, I think, entering the season despite its upside. And defensively, I'm anxious to see how the Broncos defend all the weapons the Niners have on Sunday night because the defense has looked pretty good through two games. For San Francisco, the season-ending ankle injury to Trey Lance is really unfortunate for a guy that just hasn't been able to play much since high school, really. Like in college, he had one full season as a starter. This was going to be a full season as, as a starter, his first in the NFL for the injury. And they really lucked out with working out something with Jimmy Garoppolo to keep him with the team as the backup. And considering his experience, his pedigree, he's 45 and 18 in his career, which is just crazy. I know people say wins aren't a QB stat, but something's to be said for going 45 and 18 in your career as a starting quarterback. And with the way the Niners are built, with such a talented roster and playmakers on offense, they should get George Kittle healthy back this week after he missed the first two games with the calf injury. is going to put the ball on the money. He's going to put it on time. So guys like Debo and... Ayuk and Kittle and the running backs, they can catch and run and pick up positive yardage. Overall, it's tough because you feel for Lance and what he could have been this season with more experience as a passer. But as of right now, where Lance was at, this is not going to be a drop-off at quarterback for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. And you can see how much the Niners teammates are, they play hard for Grappo and they like him as their quarterback. And then finally on Monday night, the Cowboys face the Giants. 
Dak Prescott being out doesn't help, but I don't think anyone expected the Giants to be favorites for this week three matchup, even though it is a home game for the Giants. Cooper Rush did a good job of managing the game last week and the win over the Bengals. Dallas still hasn't gotten Ezekiel Elliott going much. That might change on Monday night as they look to get to 2-1. and one. And again, I said in the first show, the Cowboys defense led by Micah Parsons, who has four sacks through two games, they could just totally wreck games for the opposition, and they can carry them to wins, really. All pro cornerback Javon Diggs had a huge stop for the Cowboys late last week against the Bengals on a pass in the flat, a tackle he made. With game-breaking type of players like Diggs and Parsons on defense, a talented defense overall, the Cowboys definitely have the roster foundation to weather the storm while Prescott's out. And again, Cooper Rush played pretty well last week and does a good job operating the offense. For the Giants, I think even their own expectations was to compete in 2023. A 2-0 start is the best they could have hoped for, obviously. Two close wins, one against the strong Titans team. That was the top seed in the AFC last season, despite their 0-2 start this year. And then last week, they got it done against the Panthers. The defense has been better than expected. Having a strong front certainly helps there. We'll see if they can contain Zeke and Tony Pollard on Monday night. And in primetime, Saquon, who is determined to start the season, might be determined to show that under the lights that he's totally back and one of the best players in the league after a couple of tough seasons. And for the against the spread picks, Dallas plus one is kind of intriguing. Not one of the top recommended picks, but you can get all the recommended picks, the five big recommendations on wolfsports.com if you're a fantasy consigliere member. Week one was a little tough trying to figure things out, how teams are really going to look this season, but last week was 4-1, and one, and we'll look to keep that going this week. And plenty of NFL and fantasy football coverage overall on wolfsports.com, so check that out. And we'll end the show there. Um, good matchups this week. Bills-Dolphins, Raiders-Titans, interesting, 2 own two teams. Ravens-Patriots, Lions-Vikings. We'll see if the Colts can get on track against the Chiefs. And Packers-Bucks, maybe the game of the week. So enjoy all those games. Enjoy every game. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week.